This podcast was recorded on the ancestral lands on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. This is Humans on Rights, a podcast advocating for the education of human rights. Here's your host, Stuart Murray. February is known as Black History Month, and that means it's an opportunity to explore what's happened historically in the province of Manitoba, in the city of Winnipeg. But it's also an opportunity to reflect on some of the incredible community leaders that make up the community of Winnipeg that come from the Black community. And I think that's what we're going to do today is celebrate somebody who is an entrepreneur, an extraordinary individual who's done amazing community work. We're going to find out what his journey is. I would like to welcome to Humans on Rights, Ogo Okumabua. Ogo, welcome to Humans on Rights, man. Appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Better to have you on. Of course, this is only a recording, but it was video. People would know that I, I'm rocking the Zueke stuff, man. You betcha. I see you representing strong and well, and I love the support, so I appreciate it. You've been a day one guy. There's no line. You've been here from the beginning for our journey, so it's been awesome. I appreciate it. Let's talk about that. Were you born in Winnipeg? I am actually born in Edmonton. I was born in Edmonton, but I consider myself raised in Winnipeg. I've lived the majority of my life here in Winnipeg since uh, 1980, 81, 82, when my parents, we were born there, went to the United States, lived there for a couple of years. And my dad, I guess, had the foresight that he wanted his family to stay in Canada. So we came back and my younger brother was born and he got a job in Winnipeg and voila, many years later, we're still here, planted in a wonderful city. Did you do your high school here, Ogo? Yeah, I did my high school here. I went to Glenmont Collegiate. I'm a lion, a mighty lion. Yeah. Yeah, you know, listen, you're acting the part, that's for sure. And so your university, I know that you did some business stuff, but you went to the University of Manitoba? Yeah, so I went to University of Manitoba on a basketball scholarship. I played for the Bisons there for five years, and um, I went to business school. So I went to the Asper School of Business. At the time, it was still just, you know, Drake School of Business when it first started. And then in the middle, I think my third year, it changed over where Izzy Asper was gracious enough to donate a whole lot of cash to that program and kind of uplift it from, you know, considered kind of a, a lower end business school to a, a pretty high end business school with a lot of resources. So it was pretty awesome. And I'm glad I stuck around to stay and enjoy it. So so when you're taking your business degree, Ogo, what's going through your mind about what you want to do with that? Like what's kind of your thinking about what your kind of your future at that time might have been? It was weird. I was kind of just going and, and feeling it out. I don't think I realized I loved entrepreneurship until, you know, I, I went to business with the aspirations of actually being an accountant. That was what I thought. I was I'm going to be an accountant, you know, and, and during your journey, you start to realize your personality might not lead to being a certain thing. And I realized, you know, I'm definitely a lot more social and um, a little more creative in terms of the way my mind kind of thought. And, and, I, and I realized it didn't like the accounting portion of, of business. And I actually had a, a sales guy by the name of Brock Cords. He was a professor and he had just, just an incredible, and it was kind of under the guise of entrepreneurship and everything. And it just kind of sparked a lot of interest. I had another professor, Manchenda, that really kind of got me going. And I'm losing the other entrepreneur 
he ran an entrepreneur program there that really kind of just started to get me thinking about what I love. And it was weird. I wasn't, I would not say that I was Mr. Education up to that point. I did it because it was needed to be done, but not that I was passionate about it. And then when I kind of found entrepreneurship and marketing and stuff like that, and all of a sudden I was, I was dialed in and I really enjoyed learning and doing it. So. And when you graduated, did you land somewhere on graduation before you started this? We're going to talk about your journey now, but where did you, where did you land after you graduated? After I, I actually landed on the Winnipeg Cyclone. I played basketball for the Winnipeg Cyclone for uh, a year. That was the last year that they were actually running a team over here. And after that, I actually just started my own business. I, I started a business called Hoops Fanatic that kind of kept me in the world of basketball, but it was at a retail store that dealt specifically with basketball apparel. We sold shoes, we sold everything. We were located in Portage Place uh, in that walkway toward the, uh, the now MPS Center. That was actually my first, my first real, I guess, let's say venture or, or job that was, I didn't really go through the normal, the normal route that most, you know, Asper kind of business students kind of went through. They kind of went through, you know, I'll get an internship and do this and do that and kind of set them up for the corporate world. And I've realized I've never been a corporate guy. I just I've been kind of free flowing as an entrepreneur for, for a number of years. So. so now you have a partner in this business. And I think I'm going to hopefully say the name correctly, Ogo. If I don't, I know you're going to sort of have me at it, but Zui K. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where did that dream come from? Talk us about what it is, what you're doing there, and how you created this incredible sort of place. I've been to, I've been to your store. It's fabulous. And you know, I'm really, really delighted that you're, you're joining us today because I really want people to hear about your journey. So how did you come about creating Zui K? After I actually closed up Hoops Fanatic, I got an offer to work for a local company by the name of Home Run Sports. So while I was at Home Run Sports, you know, we were, I was, was working, but during that time of my life, this is where, you know, we start getting married, we start having children. And, and I always knew that I kind of wanted to get back into business on my own. That's just kind of where my heart and, and desires were. But I continued doing it because it provided a stable income. And, and the group that I worked with there was, was great, allowed me to at least feel a little bit entrepreneurial, which, which kind of kept me going. And, um, but it got to a point where I was like, well, I'm not passionate about this. I'm just kind of doing it for the sake of it and, and realize, you know, it was time for me to kind of, to make a change. And, um, Brian, my business partner here, Brian Salvador, we both kind of started to chat and I kind of told him, I kind of had a wish of doing something, you know, in the fleece world. And Brian actually had been doing a little bit of something in the leggings world at that time with his wife. And it kind of seemed like a, a natural synergy for the two of us. And, and we kind of decided, okay, well, we're both in the team kind of industry and supply to, you know, high schools, universities. And we kind of thought, hey, there's a little pocket here of, you know, high-end pieces that we noticed that a lot of our clients like, but it's not necessarily offered in terms of being fashion forward and, and ready for uh, delivery. So we thought, well, why don't we try giving something that we can kind of offer to the industry and what happened was we kind of came up with, we were thinking of names, thinking of names. Of course, you know, the naming part of it is a hard yet exciting portion because the naming piece is what kind of puts all of it together for you and allows you to kind of come up with your mission statement and the things that you want to do. We really love the portion of, you know, we both played, I played university basketball, he played uh, at UW and he was a volleyball player. And we kept talking about how 
you know, the greatest times of most of our lives, if, if even when you think about corporate or you think about sport, specifically sport, the thing you remember the most is the locker room, the time, you know, two games, four games, hang out after the games. Those are where you cultivate your relationships and, and those are most your most relaxed moments. You know, hence we were we want to be the anti go hard, 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 like, you know, just do it, Nike, whatever. We we were more into like, yeah, that moment where you connect with your community, the moment that you connect with your people and make your longtime friends and stuff like that. And uh we thought, you know, name that best. And we thought relaxation and we're both Nigerian. And in my parents' Igbo dialect, Zwike means to relax. So it's to relax and to be at ease. And that's kind of how the name kind of came up. We thought it would be a nice, unique, unique name and, and has a little bit more of a story and tells us a little bit, you know, also tells you and tells other people that where we're from as you kind of dig down a little bit deeper in terms of our, our roots and stuff like that, but also kind of tell us a little bit about what our company is about, you know, cultivating community through clothing, basically. And, and that's kind of how it's all kind of come together. And, and it's been uh, pretty incredible because we started 2022 is when I would say that we officially really started to kind of, we thought about all the stuff years before, but when we started to really do it, I had actually left my job the beginning of 2022. And lo and behold, good old COVID, uh, the pandemic hits and things changed up a little bit uh, quicker. And, but, you know, we're blessed to say that we're still here two years later and, and still trying to, to make a go at it. Yeah. And I think that you're probably a bit humble. I think you've been very successful. But, you know, having said that, Ogle, as a man of color, an entrepreneur, you know, what was that like starting? I mean, when you start out, I mean, it's one thing to leave a paycheck to say, hey, I've got a dream. And as did Brian, you know, just as entrepreneurs, how do you find funding? How did you find sort of the opportunity to get to where you've built up your successful business as we see it today? One lucky thing is that we, we kind of had some connections prior to, you know, one of the biggest things you want to be able to know that you can sell some of your products here and there and get people to at least try them and adopt them. When taking the jump, you know, the big part was just really for me, at least, and I think even for Brian was just, we just had to jump, you know, you had to get in there, you had to figure out what are the resources, what are the things we didn't have, you know, um, a pile of money that we were going to be able to do it. So we had to be strategic and we learned at the BDC and they were able to kind of step up and help us at least with our first inventory buy. We had spent, you know, the money that we were, we had saved to go to China and explore, you know, different materials and makeups and stuff like that in order for us to kind of start to, to move forward. And, um, I mean, we do it just like everybody else. You know, I'm a, I'm a black guy, but I guarantee you, I wasn't thinking, Hey, I'm a black man going into business. And what am I thinking? I'm just thinking, Hey, I got a business idea. I want to see what we can do with it. I want to, I want to grow it. I want to do it just like anybody else would want to do it. And, and what you need to do is figure out what are the pieces that allow you to kind of connect and and move forward and and kind of grow and grow your business. So you know, a lot of the the biggest thing is I I'm very aware that I'm a I'm a black entrepreneur and but I, I definitely do not like to label myself as just like because I'm an entrepreneur. Like I. I I make the same decisions. Maybe I have a couple of different loopholes I might have to run through. Sometimes I don't, but I don't want to put those as my, uh, on my pallet all the time. Right. So. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, the fact of life is kind of the definition of who you are is you're a successful entrepreneur. Enough said, right. And that's kind of where it's at. Right. So 
I've been in your store. Again, encourage anybody when COVID lifts the opportunity to go to your store. We're going to make sure everybody knows where the address is so they can come and visit when appropriate. I know you also can buy online, which I've also done, Ogo. But how do you decide, you know, okay, this is the kind of line we're going to get into because, you know, there's a lot of production out there. There's a lot of organizers that are doing stuff. There's the big store, you know, people that are handling a lot of product. How do you kind of differentiate yourself and kind of get that slice of what makes Zueke the place that people want to go? It was, you know, a process. So we, we, we were very minimalistic. We thought of what did we like to wear when we were playing? We asked other athletes, we noticed what they like to wear, you know, and the funny thing about most athletes or most people, I mean, even whether an athlete or not, if you ask what is one of their most comfortable things to wear when they finish their day of work, it is a pair of fleece. You know, they, they go and they want to put on a pair of fleece. But as we start to notice is that the trend in terms of what business looks like anymore is not the same, right? We know that business is conducted in more than just a three-piece suit and an office anymore, right? Business for a lot of the generation younger than I am is conducted at Starbucks. It's conducted at the most leisure places you can ever imagine. And we start to realize, well, we want to have the combination of that comfort but also still a refined look because you, your presentation still is very important when you go into a meeting or someone sees you and you could be a CEO or just a coworker and you're at, you know, seven, uh, 11 and someone walks in and you might, that might be where your meeting is. But the fact that if you're a clean, stylish, like an individual, a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, that's a good looking chap. That's where you kind of, we start to say, hey, you know, this is where we kind of want to put ourselves in there. And, and no matter what, you still look clean, you look fresh, but most importantly, you're comfortable and feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me about how you look at the difference between how you described, and maybe there is no difference, Ogo, but, but I just didn't want to explore the difference between men and women in what you just described and that look. How do you achieve that? It's neat because, I mean, Lululemon kind of really redefined the marketplace for what, quote unquote, is acceptable for women to wear out. But women are so so creative and, and wonderful in terms of they can make, you know, a pair of leggings, you know, they can go to a, a gala and make them, make them work. And, and you start to see the flexibility in terms of how the fashion kind of falls through. And, and we kind of just, you know, you don't try reinventing the wheel. You just kind of try taking your take on the wheel. and. And that's what we kind of did. We kind of thought, okay, you know what? A lot of our pieces, even though you'll find they're a lot more unisex, we'll find things that are a little bit more streamlined so that my wife wears 90% of my stuff. Uh, other women, uh, you know, Michelle, Jean-Paul, lots, we'll mix them up. They'll find different pieces that work for their bodies or work for them as individuals and their character and put it together and, and really rock it out. So it's kind of been neat to kind of see how people go and how they make the decision of what their fashion looks going to be through our uh, ZVK brand. So it's been, it's been pretty interesting and still learning, of course. And, and we always get recommendations here and there. And as we hopefully continue to grow, we're able to add more pieces that represent what, you know, more of our clientele would love to see. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned, you use the term, uh, Ogo, that my wife wears my stuff. I, I just can't have to sort of pause for one second. Let's just talk about the fact that you're your wife, your partner is also a tremendous entrepreneur in the city. Just tell us a little bit about Praise. Oh, so Praise, my wife, she has had uh, 12 years. She's had a hair salon, basically, and it is called Fresh Hair Boutique, and, and they've been rocking and rolling. She 
had it actually after we had our second child. And uh, actually during, while, while she was pregnant with our second child, she was planning and kind of getting it going. And it's been pretty amazing kind of to see her grow it and make it an established boutique that's kind of rocked on Academy for, for a number of years. And, she, you know, she's gone through the trials and tribulations of an entrepreneur. It's kind of been neat to see that I'm, you know, definitely more, you know, I went to school for business. I went there, she went to school for hair and, but seeing how she's kind of really grown it and put the pieces together and become a pretty amazing businesswoman while, while doing it has been pretty incredible. I mean, the only hard part has been when I, when I decided to jump and leave my job, she was supposed to be my sugar mama. And unfortunately with COVID and the regulations, uh, she they were shut down more than we were allowed to be shut down. So that was probably the only thing, but just seeing her kind of survive it, stick with it. And it's been pretty amazing. And I've been pretty proud to, to, to see how uh, she's grown it and kept it going. So how do two entrepreneurs balance sort of a home life? You've got two kids? We have four. Yeah. So we have four. We have three, three young ladies and one little guy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult, but I mean, to be honest, we're not like our parents, I would say, in terms of, you know, my pa- both of our parents are immigrants from Nigeria that have come here and worked and did whatever they could to keep us, you know, fed and, and growing and giving us opportunity. What we're blessed with is that we have support. You know, we have our family support. So we have our grandmas and our grandpas. Well, my kids do their grandmas and grandpas around and my sister and, and brother. And, and they have, you know, just we have a good network that allows us to still be able to kind of go and enjoy uh, or work at our, our businesses and, and still kind of maintain a thing. But that's probably one of the biggest, biggest pieces. But, you know, we still sacrifice and just kind of figure out, hey, you know, at the time, like today, perfect example of you know, in the morning, I'm with the little guy because Bray's had meetings all morning and in the afternoon now I'm going to get on here and, or, or get some work done. And then, you know, I'm going to get back home, pick up the kids and go to a basketball practice. So, I mean, it's just you figure it out. And, you know, I always say that we pretty much have it really easy because my parents didn't come here with, you know, a whole bunch of family members or support system or friends to start with. Like, I mean, when I have friends and stuff like that, they had to kind of do it on their own and they had four kids too. They both had four kids. So I mean, we're, we're wimps in this game. So, <laughs> Thanks for talking a bit about your entrepreneurial partner, Praise. I think she's uh, very well known in the community. And that's what I want to talk a bit about, Ogo, is that one of the things that you've done is you've been very careful. You, the way you and Brian have positioned uh, Zueke as your business is in the community. Talk about some of the things that you're trying to do in the community because you are local. And I think it speaks volumes about who you are as entrepreneurs, that you are local and you want to be in the community. Just want to get your thoughts on that. As I grew up, my parents used to always say, you know, your name is your name, right? Your name's your name. You represent it well. And it takes a community to, to raise a child, you know, and I've kind of always lived by that. I've, you know, I've played basketball. When you're with a team, you realize it is the collection of the group that allows you to get to that next level. Same thing with Brian. We realized that I'm not here because, you know, I just put in the work all my life and got to this point. I've had so many amazing, you know, influences on my life that people that have given time, they've given, you know, resources, they've given whatever it is to make me who I was today. And I figured, hey, when I was starting a business and when we decided to get into this, we were not going to just do it based on, you know, 
cash, you know, just money. Because I, I do believe that sometimes, and we see it in community and world right now, a lot of our morals, if we just make decisions based on cash, it's easy to kind of lose focus on who you are or, or what, you're, what you want to be. So we just kind of said, hey, we, not that we don't want to be able to make money, but we want to do it in, in somewhat of a responsible way. That's why we took the money and said, hey, we're going to China. We're going to go and see the factories. We're going to go and see stuff. And then when we come back home, there's nothing funner to me than connecting with community. There, there's You get to know who's out there. I mean, the last little bit, I've learned about so many more small businesses and people we'd love to work with and go out with. It was the essential piece of our thing because I think a happy, if you're happy in your community, you can relax. You can ZK, right? That's a lot of people don't realize how simple it is, but when you're happy in your little area, yeah, you can definitely relax. So, and you've done some stuff, you know, with Andrew Harris, with Donna Merrow, right? You've done some good things kind of locally with them as your champions. Uh, yeah, you know, they've been amazing. Like, I mean, as we kind of make this journey, yeah, Andrew Harris has been a crazy. Don Amaro has been amazing. Like, they, and they've all had very similar outlooks in terms of how they viewed community and what they want to do and, and give back. And that's, you know, we've, we've really picked individuals like A.B. Tung. There's been a lot of different collaborations we've had along the way that I think we just have aligned and we've been picky and they've been picky and, and it's been great. And it's helped us kind of, you know, help kind of keep pushing the narrative forward because we feel that, you know, if the more we can talk about certain issues, you know, one with the big one with Andrew Harris was mental health. The more people talked about it, the more we started to see, you know, oh yeah, you experienced this. Oh, I experienced it. We've had a burpee. It's been pretty amazing kind of just seeing how, you know, when the community feels comfortable and you start to talk, people are a lot more, you know, willing to think of things in a different way. But I think it's great for your brand. It's great for who you and Brian are. It's great for how you're trying to sort of set yourself up in the community. So I think that's fantastic. One of the things I just wanted to ask you about, has your strategies changed since you started your business? I know you say we try and pivot, we're learning, but is there anything if you were sort of sending a message out to an entrepreneur that was saying to you, Ogo, I'm thinking about getting into business, what kind of advice might you give them from what you've learned? Definitely, you'd have to be flexible. I mean, flexibility is the key of entrepreneurship because there is just too many. I didn't quit my job thinking that I was expecting to walk into a global pandemic, right? And you now all of a sudden have to think, well, what are other revenue streams that you can figure out? What are other things that allow you to position yourself in the market? I definitely think, you know, entrepreneurship, you have to be flexible. You got to be viable. You got to be willing to learn. And, and more importantly, you got to be willing to work with others. Like, I mean, if you, if you aren't willing to work with others, there's not going to be too many. You'll have a couple opportunities, but not many. And in the long term, it doesn't really work out for you. But that's kind of what, as an entrepreneur, and as we keep going right now, we've definitely, you know, pivoted. And we've gone from, at first, not thinking we were going to do corporate to team sales to now we're right into corporate and team sales because it provides us a certain thing and, and it's allowed us to kind of stay afloat and keep going. And yeah, so it's, it's been good, but also it's allowed us to keep in the community, most importantly. People are not just buying from Winnipeg. I mean, you've got, you've got customers outside of Winnipeg, clearly, right? Yeah, we've been lucky enough to work with you know guys in Alberta, with none of it. Toronto, we've got a couple in the U.S., it's been pretty good. I mean, as we've kind of gone and we hope to kind of keep to explore and expand ourselves a little bit further, but 
yeah, it's been it's been fun. Like we, we were definitely haven't just been regional, but I mean the regional is really what has kept us going, and and it's been great. Excellent. So, if uh, you think about you know Black History Month, which is the month of February, what does that mean to you when people sort of say, "Hey, it's Black History Month"? Ogo, how do you feel about that? I think it's it's a great month just to explore of all the contributions that blacks have committed to you know North America, to the world, so on and so forth. But I think most importantly, you start to realize it's really just history. Like uh, one of the biggest parts I think people forget is that. It's just part of history. I mean, it sucks that it definitely has to be moved into, you know, a short month and, and we got to talk about it then. But it's, you know, our idea is to continue that narrative throughout the course of the year. It's, it's just something that is not for 30 days and you can forget about it. It's something that, you know, every community has added something to history. And it's great to celebrate. It's great to talk about it. It's great to talk about the good. It's great to talk about the bad. It's great to talk about all of it. So you get a good idea of, hey, you know, this is why we might be where we are. Maybe this is why we can fix certain things or maybe why, hey, we got to pay a little more attention over here. But that is a big thing that I think I would love that people would, you know, not just take it as Black History Month. And this is the time that we celebrate, you know, Black people or Black whatever. I think it's great to try to think about it as, you know, hey, you know what? It's a great month. We're going to celebrate it, but it's a, it's a piece that we should celebrate throughout the course of the year and every other group. Let's celebrate them throughout the course of the year. Let's not hide it. Let's not make it something that has to be a month for a special day. You know, It's like orange t-shirt day. I don't think we should just have it as an orange shirt day. It's a serious thing that should be talked about constantly and something because that's the only way that it's going to improve and, and be taken seriously. Awesome. Okay. So Ogo Okumabua. If you had to, you know, walk in every morning into Zueke, your shop, and there was a song that was the theme that you wanted to sort of start your day with, what song are you going to rock that to? Oh, my goodness. That is a, such a good question. I have so many songs that I love. I have this one song. It's Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy, I put on for my city. So it's a song just about representing for my city. I love it. Like it's the one that I, I, if I'm pumped and getting ready to do certain things, that would probably be the one because like my dad said when I was younger, Hey, you know, there's only one Okamabwa in, you know, name in all of Canada right now, because he was the only brother that decided to stay. The rest of them went to the U S he says, so your name is very important. So protect it and represent it. Well, when you leave this house, and it's the same way that I feel about when I represent Winnipeg, when I go to Chicago, if I go to Toronto, I want to represent for my city. I want our brand to represent for the city that we might be smaller in stature, but we're big players. We can hang with any of the big people across the world. And that's, that's me putting on for my city. So That's totally, totally great. I appreciate your time today. Your store is located in Trottier Bay. Yeah, 45 Trache Bay, Unit 6, you bet. Unit 6, awesome. Okay, listen, man, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it and look forward to coming to visit you sometime soon. Thank you. You betcha. Can't wait to see you soon. Humans on Rights is recorded and hosted by Stuart Murray. Social media marketing by the creative team at Full Current in Winnipeg. Thanks also to Trixie May Bituin. Music by Doug Edmond. For more, go to humanrightshub.ca. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.